Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture passage for today comes from the book of Esther, chapter 4. Hear these words. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a message for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone, may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all of the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, go, gather all of the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and neither eat nor drink for three days night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as Pastor Vance said, we are wrapping up our behind-the-scenes sermon series with a look at the story of Esther. God is not mentioned in the book of Esther. God is not a major or a minor character. God seems to be absent. The book of Esther takes place and was written after the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians, when Judah is in ruin and the Jewish people are in exile. They are living as strangers in strange lands. And I'm sure for them it felt as if God was indeed absent. Where is God? And how is God at work in such a terrible time? Esther was a beautiful Jewish woman living in the Persian Empire. Her ancestors had been taken from Jerusalem when the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem. Esther's parents had died, and she was under the care of her cousin Mordecai. Now, as we hear this story, we have to remember that Esther was not living in the United States in the 21st century. She lived as a woman and a religious minority in a patriarchal society ruled by an easily influenced 
King Ahasuerus. She had no rights with no real say over her life or her body. And if you read the book of Esther, you may find that there's a lot of stuff in this book that is not okay, that we take issue with, that kind of maybe even angers us. So as we retell the story of Esther, I'm going to need your help. In Jewish synagogues, when they uh, celebrate the festival of Purim, they read the story of Esther, and they read it as a congregation and as a group. And so in these Jewish synagogues, when uh, the names of Esther and Mordecai are said aloud or read aloud, the congregation says, yay, or cheers. So can I hear you say yay? Yay. Good job. And in this story, there's a bad guy by the name of Haman. And so every time Haman's name is read or said, the congregation boos. So Haman. All right. So I'm going to, because in order to really understand the scripture passage that I read just a few moments ago, we kind of have to get it in the context of the whole story of Esther. And so I'm going to try to briefly recap this story. And so I appreciate your help to do so. So the story of Esther goes something like this. That's right. And I'm just going to keep going. So hopefully you're paying attention. There's a king, King Ahasuerus. That was a test. We boo for Haman, okay? We boo for him. We yay for Esther and Mordecai. Don't get those two confused. King Ahasuerus hosted a feast for all of his officials and courtiers. For six months, they gathered to eat and to drink and to make merry. And so one day the king says, you know, these court officials, they need to see my wife. They need to see how beautiful she is. They need to see that I'm a very important man because I landed such a beautiful woman as my, as my wife and as my queen. And so he calls for his wife, Queen Vashti, to come out and to be part of the feast and to uh, be admired by all of the people, mostly men, that are attending the feast. And you know what? Queen Vashti says no. She's not going. She doesn't want to be part of that feast. Because if they've been eating and drinking for six months, she's like, there's some foolishness that I don't need to be a part of. But again, we don't live in the 21st, this is not happening in the 21st century. This is happening four to 500 years BCE. And so women didn't really have the right or the opportunity to say no. And so when she said no, the king was upset. He felt that he was disrespected. And he was like, all these court officials are going to think less of me because my wife said no to me. And so he says, he pulls his court officials aside and he tells them the situation. He said, what should I do? And they said, well, you need to get rid of her. And so he did. Some time passed, and now King Ahasuerus wants to add new women to his harem and to find a new queen. He orders his servants to round up all of the beautiful unmarried women in the empire and to bring them to the palace. They will live in the harem and receive beauty treatments for a year. And one by one, 
the women will go to the king. The young woman who pleases the king the most will become the new queen. You can imagine that these women do not have any say over whether or not they even want to go to the palace and go to the king. Their families do not have any say over whether or not they want to give up their daughters and young women. What the king wants, the king gets. Esther is one of these beautiful women taken to the palace. Her cousin Mordecai tells her not to tell anyone that she is a Jew and that she is related to him. Esther follows Mordecai's instructions. Esther receives a year's worth of beauty treatments. When it is finally Esther's turn to go to the king, Esther pleases the king more than any other woman. The king crowns Esther as queen. And if this were a fairy tale, we know that the king and queen lived happily ever after, and that would be the end of our story. But this is no fairy tale. King Ahasuerus promotes one of his officials, Haman, to be his right-hand man. Haman did not like Mordecai, and he did not, Haman did not like the Jews. Haman tells the king that the Jewish people living in the empire do not follow the king's laws, and as a consequence of their disobedience, they should be destroyed. The king agrees with Haman and allows Haman to go forward with this genocide. Mordecai and all of the other Jews living in the land hear about their impending demise. There is much weeping and sorrow in the land. Mordecai tears his clothes, wears mourning clothes, and puts ashes on his head as a sign of his great distress. When Esther hears about Mordecai, she sends uh, Hathak, one of her servants, to Mordecai to find out what's wrong, what's going on. Mordecai tells the servant about the upcoming Holocaust and employs the servant to tell Esther to go to the king and to intercede on behalf of her people. We heard Esther's reply a few moments earlier. Esther relays the danger in going to the king without being summoned. You see, in this culture, the king is absolute authority. And if he wants to see you, he will summon you and you have to appear or else. But if the king doesn't want to see you and you just show up uninvited or unannounced or unwanted, the king can just turn his head away and that person will be killed. And so Esther reminds Mordecai of this rule, of this situation. And she basically tells him, um, if I show up to the king unannounced, I'm as good as dead. Mordecai reminds her, well, you are as good as dead. You see, this ruling that's coming for all the Jews to be killed, don't think for a moment that you're going to slide by and that you will escape. You and your father's house will also die. But maybe, just maybe, you have been called into this place of royal dignity 
just for such a time as this. Mordecai implies that Esther is maybe at the right place at the right time in order to make a difference. Well, thank you so much for your help. I know that's a little stressful listening and trying to keep up and make sure you say the right words to respond. So thank you for that. You don't have to do it anymore, okay? You get a break. At this point in the story, is Esther being voluntold to save herself and her people? Raise your hand if you've ever been voluntold. Someone has signed you up for something. Someone says, this is a good idea for you. You are just the right person for this task. We need you, right? Sometimes it doesn't feel so great to be voluntold, does it? Or is Esther being called to speak up about injustice and to do what she can for such a time as this? The truth is, it's probably a little bit of both. A calling as a strong impulse, inclination, or summons that can lead to speech or action at a specific moment in time. You may have experienced a calling to, um, to pick up the phone and to call or text a friend. Maybe someone came to mind and you're like, I have really no idea why, but I'm just going to reach out to this person. And maybe you find out in that moment or a little bit later that they were really going through a rough time. And so your call, your reaching out at just that moment, even without your awareness or knowledge, made a difference. That was a calling. A calling can also lead into a vocation, profession, or life purpose. Pastors talk about being called into the ministry But many people feel called to work in various fields, education, healthcare, military, or other forms of public service. Some people may have one large calling over the course of their lives. And if we live long enough, we may find that we actually have multiple callings over the course of our lives, depending on the seasons of our lives. Some callings are large and others are small. Some are very public and well-known and other callings are behind the scenes. Oprah Winfrey speaks of call this way. I believe there's a calling for all of us. I know that every human being has value and purpose. The real work of our lives is to become aware and awakened to answer the call. A calling comes to an individual person, but it often doesn't just stay with that person. The calling is often bigger than one person. Writer Marianne Williamson says, each of us has a unique part to play in the healing of the world. Sometimes a calling comes and a person is absolutely convinced in what they need to do next. And sometimes a calling seems to come through other people. 
Other people see gifts or abilities within us that we cannot see or do not value. Their support, encouragement, and maybe even a little volunteering gives us an opportunity to step into a call and to respond. As Christians, we believe that God is the source of our calling. And for most of us, God's calling seems to come through other people. Raise your hand if you've had a burning bush moment. Let me check. There's a few, right? Those moments that that call came in an instant and you knew and your life was changed. But that's not everybody. Sometimes that call comes in subtle and quiet ways. And sometimes it comes through the nudges of the people around us. In the story of Esther, God is seemingly absent from the horror about to befall the Jews. And yet God is not absent. God is at work through Mordecai. God, through Mordecai, calls Esther to save her people. And maybe God chooses Esther because of her courage or her intellect or some other gifts that she had for that moment. But maybe God also calls Esther because of her proximity to the king. No other Jew is as close to the king as Esther is. Nobody else was in that particular place to be able to intercede on behalf of the people. Brother Andrew reminds us that God does not choose people because of their ability, but because of their availability. Esther is willing and able to say yes. And so God is also at work in Esther. Esther replies to Mordecai and she says, okay, fine, I will go to the king, but I'm going to need your help. You and all of the other Jews in the city gather together and fast and pray for three days. And Esther says that she and her maids will also fast and pray for three days. And after the three days, then she will go to the king. This time of fasting and prayer emboldens and empowers Esther to go before the king without being summoned. The king receives Esther And he extends the golden scepter to her so she is not killed. She's allowed to come forward. And when she's before the king, he says, what can I do for you? What would you like? And she says, I want you to come to a feast. She knows how much he likes feasts. And so it's after some eating and some drinking that she tells him, hey, I am a Jew. And your upcoming order to kill all the Jews will also kill me. And so he hears this, and he rescinds the order. And the Jews are saved from destruction. In some ways, our world is vastly different than the world of Esther. And in other ways, not much has changed. Our God is still the same God. Our God is still at work in our world and is still calling people to use their availability, their talents, 
and resources to further God's kingdom here on earth. Frederick Buechner wrote, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. What do you do that brings you joy? And how can that serve other people? Perhaps in that meeting place, that's where your call is. Thankfully, most of us will not find ourselves in the kind of life and death situation that Esther found herself. And yet that does not mean that callings are easy or convenient. More often than not, these callings require much of us. It may be even seem more than what we can do. Reverend Steve Goodyear writes, but beware of this about callings. They may not lead us where we intended to go or even where we want to go. If we choose to follow, we may have to be willing to let go of the life we already planned and accept whatever is waiting for us. And if the calling is true, though we may not have gone where we intended, we will surely end up where we need to be. When Esther was a young girl, I don't think she imagined herself as queen. And yet, that's where she ended up. And even though the circumstances that led to her becoming queen were not the greatest, Esther's availability, the position that she was in, the proximity she had to the king, gave her an opportunity to save herself and to save her people. I believe each and every person here in this sanctuary and those who are watching with us online are called. For you have joy and deep gladness. And that joy and deep gladness could be used to meet a need and a real hunger in the world. What is God calling you to do? And who is God calling you to be for such a time as this? And how will you respond? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you are with us and your grace goes before us. Sometimes we do not see you at work but we trust that you are there, that you are making a way, that your wisdom and your grace are gifts that you give to each and every one of us. God, fill us with your spirit. Embolden and empower us to say yes to you, to make ourselves available for how you can work through us. so that your will is done here on earth as it is in heaven. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.